morning. Welcome to Don't Feed the Artists. I, for some reason, took a nap right before this, so I feel really weird, and I'm also Hagen. I'm Dave. I'm Adam. I did not take a nap before this. I'm Jackson. I am the proud owner of the last horde, the last stash of belly washers in the world. So <laughs> if you go on eBay and find the stash of belly washers, that is uh, yours truly, and you can buy them from me. Also, uh, I have a Daft Punk vinyl. I have Discovery on vinyl, which I've come to find out is worth a ton of money since they broke up. I found that out too. I really thought about, I should probably sell that. Yeah, well, they just one just sold this week for, it, it was a variant, a Japanese variant. Same album, everything's the same content-wise, but uh, it's got a different rare jacket artwork and... It sold for I think two thousand three hundred dollars this week. So okay, I'm gonna go look at which one I have now. <laughs> so uh, the one you and I have for Discovery should get you around three hundred dollars. Yeah, it's probably nothing, which special. is still a ton of money. Yeah, I don't care that much about having that specific uh, year of pressing. I'm fine of getting a repress in five years when they realize they need some money. So <laughs> I think that's fair. I I think it, this. I, I was. T- thinking about it if this is just another one of those like schemes of like you know Daft Punk was never releasing anything like I I think they just kind of had naturally naturally um run their course and this was just a good way to boost up those sales because you can look at the percentages of their streams and merch sales all their merch sold out immediately and, and now it's all reselling for crazy prices. So, and I'm sure you see similar things with DMX right now. So, yeah, that's that, that. This is literally. I was literally just thinking. This is. This sounds like this clout thing that we were talking about last week. That sounds legitimately like. Oh, I need to have this Daft Punk vinyl because uh, they broke up. What? Doesn't make any sense. I'm not afraid of selling out and selling my copy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unlike Adam, I will not be selling my copy of Discovery. I like that album too much for fear that they won't repress it. But I will sell all my belly washers. So if you want a Johnny Bravo belly washer, if you want a Fred Flintstone, just text me. Post a picture it of it. You. Post a picture of it on on the Instagram. Post a picture of it because I don't believe you have it. Okay, I'll do it. Oh my God, that's truly wild card status right there. <laughs> if you actually do have it, then yeah, that's wild card status. <laughs> I mean, we don't have any reason to doubt him. Speaking of wild card status, an old friend of the show, Andy, uh, all day was texting me photos of Dr. Peppers. I don't know if Hagen, you had anything to do with that. No, he just he sent it to me too, and and I, I he sent me the picture of of like the woman. What what was the shirt? I can't remember. But it, Dr. Pepper's Facebook went crazy apparently today, and uh, and and Andy was sharing it with me. Well, I got annoyed enough with it that I ended up, I just got a colonoscopy a few weeks ago, and so I just started texting him photos of my colon, like the inside of it. I bet he loved that. <laughs> There's a, So the picture he sent me was a, a, a woman holding a shoe to her ear, and the shirt says, I'm a shoe addict, and then the Dr. Pepper logo below it. And this is on the Dr. Pepper Facebook page. That's incredible. I got the same ones. Did they get hacked? Um, what a weird choice to, I mean, what a weird thing to do if you hack. I mean, you're yeah. still giving them advertising, I guess. I don't know. This It's just weird. It sounds like they're taking a page out of the like Taco Bell uh, social media book where Taco Bell will respond to anybody and is basically a meme account, and it works in their favor. That's, yeah, that's what you have to do to stay relevant as a giant national brand at this point. Yeah, that's very true. Speaking of social media... If you guys saw this, Britney Spears got her vaccine, or I believe it was her first or second. It doesn't matter which one she got, but this is completely uh, speculation here. But I found this great article that says the headline is The U.S. broke the daily vaccine record after Britney Spears announces she got the vaccine. And if you haven't seen the video of Britney Spears saying that she got the vaccine, she got has it and she's standing next to her boyfriend, and she just says, it was nothing. I felt nothing. I'm fine, and I hope to continue to stay fine. And then the very next day, after she announced it, the U.S. broke the daily vaccine record with 4.6 million shots in a single day. Now, 
Are those things related? No, but I would love to think that Britney Spears has that much power and we won't give her her own money. <laughs> that's that's news. Like she's she's pushed like the type of person. I feel like most of her fans would be getting the vaccine anyway. I don't know if that's presumptuous. Yeah, but... they just might have been people who put it off a little bit. So maybe this was a reminder to go get it. No, I choose yeah. to stay on the positive side with you, Dave. But I will say, one of those kind of nostalgia acts that I'm super into is Dashboard Confessional. And Dashboard Confessional, the lead singer, Chris, is very liberal. And so he'll use his platform to talk about politics. He'll do a lot of charity auctions of gear and stuff like that. Really cool stuff. But I've noticed in his comments section and even at the shows I've been to of dashboards, it, it's really 50-50. So I don't know. It, it, there's this weird age where it feels like um, 30-year-olds are starting to become their parents in the conservative side, which uh, <laughs> scares the hell out of me. They end up making a little more money and they're like, hold on a second. But it's the same thing. I've been seeing that a lot on uh, Twitter with Jason Isbell. He's obviously like kind of a country singer. He's in the Americana genre, I guess you could say. But a lot of people are saying to him like, dude, just stick to music. We don't want to know your opinion on politics. <laughs> and there was this other singer, I can't remember his name right now, but he made a whole video where he was just like, he was like, are you fucking kidding me? This is what, this is what music was built on is like artists' opinions and reaction to what's going on. It has been that way and it will always be that way. Like stop telling us to just shut up and sing. I I think we've talked about it before, but the Rage Against the Machine, the Tom Morello Facebook page comments or Instagram comments are like my favorite things in the world. Whenever he posts anything political, which is frequent, and someone's like, yo, stick to music. It's like, do you actually know what you listen to? <laughs> do you have yeah. any idea what Rage Against the Machine? What's the machine, man? Is it your fucking ma- microwave you can't figure out how to work? What the fuck <laughs> is the machine, dude? I love the idea of Zach Delaraga being like, god damn it, I hate this fucking microwave, and then yeah. starting a band because of it. Dude, dude, like printers are so difficult. Have you ever noticed that printers are really difficult to use? That's what the band is based on, is how difficult printers are. Bulls on Parade is just like him imagining putting a microwave in front of a bunch of bulls. (laughs) Did you guys see the Morrissey Simpsons controversy? Uh, I saw a headline, but I did not see what it was. I had to read it because Morrissey is one of these dudes that... You love to hate him, and as also part of this like really formative band. If you're into emo music and you don't like the Smiths or at least appreciate them, it's a weird place to be in. But really, what happened, and this kind of just started today, I believe. But The Simpsons is releasing or released an episode where the premise behind it is Lisa Simpson is getting into like 1980s, you know you know, pop music. So there's like jokes on the cure. There's jokes on joy division. And of course there's jokes on Morrissey and the whole joke on Morrissey is they show this guy who looks like Morrissey, but is overweight and they're poking fun at him, you know, being, you know, conservative and racist and stuff like that. It's voiced by Benedict Cumberbatch. And then Morrissey got really upset. First thing he addressed was, I have never looked like that ever in my career. Cool that someone called you racist, and the first thing you're concerned about is that (laughs) they kind of put you as overweight. Weird. But the second thing he said is that he went on to say, you know, if you're going to poke fun at me, uh, at least be specific and say why you're calling me racist, but you never called it out. I've never been to uh, seen a Simpsons show or really any adult comedy show like this that has, like, just specifically laid out their claims. It, it, it's a joke. So that that's a weird thing. And <sighs> then he w- proceeded to say, you know, The Simpsons uh, is the same show that's just got in trouble and just finally apologized for uh, the Apu voice being, uh, you know, stereotypes of an Indian person and then also being voiced by a white man, which is a valid criticism, but that does not absolve Morrissey of any of his wrongdoing of being... You know, I'm pretty sure he's said racist things and his far right views in the UK. So, very funny shit. I like I, I, the 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 response is, 
Well, um, you you don't really say why I'm right. You're racist. You don't really say why I'm, but you're racist. Nuh-uh, it's you. You're the guy. You're the real one. You're the real racist. Like, dude. I mean, like, I, I don't, I, if every celebrity got mad every time Simpsons or Family Guy made some fucking joke about him, it's like, that. there's there's no point in the show's existing. Like, and did any other band get mad about what, I mean, it's just, it's just so fucking stupid. He probably probably was just mostly mad about the way you looked, honestly. Yeah, that seems to be the core issue here. But just imagine if, you know, South Park had a new episode coming out soon. I'm sure they would throw a joke in about this that would upset him even more. <laughs> well, and, yeah. and they'll take it that, that next step further. Yeah. But if you remember, I don't know how much you guys watched The Simpsons, but Michael Jackson was, he was a guest on that show, or at least his voice was. And that character was literally, like, over, really overweight. And you don't see Michael Jackson complaining about it. Maybe it's because the character got to hang out with kids all day, but who knows? See, I was I was gonna say that Michael Jackson probably saw that the, that overweight version of himself and was like, "Man, I got I I got to do that. That's what I need. I I like I th- I'm I'm too skinny. I'm far too skinny." <laughs> so I think the the best way to handle someone like Morrissey, who has written amazing music and you know has a very important place in pop culture. I think the way to handle it is the way that I've seen people on TikTok handle J.K. Rowling and, you know, the Harry Potter stuff. And what they do on TikTok is just say, wow, it's amazing that Harry Potter wrote itself. That is just incredible. (laughs) So we just need to handle the Smiths like that is it's amazing that Johnny Marr did all of the Smiths by himself. That's incredible. (laughs) I like that. That's real good. That's really nice. Hagen, what's up? Is there any update on Little Nas X since last week? Uh, I mean, not really. So, I mean, so the thing is, so everybody basically had the same thing to say that we did, which is like, oh my god, is it being taken down? I'm sure some people were like, yay, take it down. But so far, it really hasn't been fully removed. I'm sure there was like some weird, like silent force trying to remove it, but no one's really given an answer as to why. Um, so Lil Nas X has just continued about his normal, um, his normal Twitter life. And let me tell you, it is wonderful. If you don't follow Lil Nas X on Twitter, you should, cause it is great. He just burns everybody. And then he also, uh, releases, released a new line of shirts that I really want one. Uh, so there's two shirts. One says I heart Jesus. And that one part in Montero music video by Lil Nas X when he gets nasty with the devil, because it was a cool form of self-expression and art. Uh, and then the other shirt says, <laughs> I watched the Montero video by Lil Nas X and all I got was this lousy shirt. And now I'm also gay and love Satan. Uh, <laughs> I want that I one. Forgot, isn't the way he's doing this is people are making these shirts, you know, in a similar way that you make a meme and he's basically working with them to say, Hey, I like that. Let's make it an official merch. I think so. Yeah. And I mean, it's great. It's, it's like, he, he's really, he's really like, it's, 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 it's a pleasure just reading his Twitter feed. Um, he said that one of his tweets, y- y'all sitting here telling me I'm milking the same song. Like I'm not the same guy who remixed a song for 10 months. I do not care, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I just wonder how much of it's his ideas and how much of it is like his PR team, but either way, it's either genius. way there's nailing it like if it i mean his tweets pr- seem pretty genuine the merch stuff i don't know but the tweets are like that's gotta be him i mean like the like there's some there's some shit where he actually like goes back and talks back to a lot of conservatives and it is fucking hilarious it's so good <laughs> good for him i think that that definitely gotta be all him i mean i think it's just a a guy who he's 21 and has just been raised in this pot of memes and shit like that and he's just capitalizing on it i think you know maybe five years ago it became probably the best way of getting your music out there was memes and now it's tiktok which is just another variation on memes i mean that's just how it is now i think there was um the singer of american football whenever they came back for their reunion and everything he was saying Oh yeah, like it's nice that we're writing music and everything again, but I definitely wish I could figure out how to make money on all those American football memes because then I would be a very rich man. Right, but it's really nice to see the younger generation, or I guess the generation uh, after us, just being so informed and taking on the the boomer generation 
and just being in the middle of that and seeing everyone go back and forth you're just like what did they say what what did they say it's just really fun it's also really nice to see someone like him taking on as you were saying dave this crowd who is very angry but also taking it on in a different way of just you know the stereotypical political discourse it's nice to see it in more of a comedic lighting whereas you know it i think all of us can agree no matter what side you're on it is just exhausting to be alive nowadays so (laughs) it's really nice to see some comedy in these things yeah that's very true that's a very good point well let's hope that nothing else um you know further burdens Lil Nas X, but glad to hear that his music is still up. And once again, if there's any update, we'll uh, talk about it again. But it sounds like we're we're in good standing as of now. And you know what it's time for. It is a new Prince album. The man has been dead for, what, five years now? Something like that. And pulling from the vault, they are releasing his first album, that was a completed album. All the stuff that's been released, they basically have been really consistent. His estate, um, which I believe is, he has one full brother or one full sibling and then like five half siblings and they're all part of his estate. And if you don't know, when Prince died, that was a huge deal. There was all these legal battles that are still occurring right now, but in the interim, they are all part of the estate and he did not leave behind a will. So when he was like when he died, he was still at that time one of the best selling artists of the time and of all time. So to not have a will is just absolutely insane. But that being said, the estate has been releasing music and material pretty consistently oh, since his death. But this is the first album that is like it was a full album that Prince had finished, but just for one reason or the other did not release it and i watched this whole 60 minutes yeah i watched that too it's about like it's it's the it's called coming to america and they welcome to america welcome to america and they they did a tour for that record and just never ended up releasing the record and now it's like it still sounds i've I've heard the single and it's like sounds really good It, it was coming out like when he recorded it the tour was in 2010 and it was supposed to be planned for the album to come out like in 2011 around the same time. And as Dave said, it just didn't happen. And you would think that there, I mean, you hear about this Prince fault of being that there's like 8,000 songs in it, something like that. All of those can't be finished, but even if they were, you, you think that maybe Prince didn't release this album because he thought, oh, artistically, that's not what I want to release. But when all the people, he had frequent collaborators and they were in this 60 Minutes documentary. And when they're talking to them, they're saying like, so did Prince ever tell you why he didn't release this album? And the people will say no. But to be honest, he would be very coy about it and just say, oh, you know, somebody will release that one day. Kind of making this idea and building this fantasy of like, Someone will release it, even if I'm dead. And it's just fascinating hearing about Prince. Like, I'm not a huge Prince fan, but, like, hearing about this vault, and apparently he actually had a vault with, like, a steel door, and the only people would say, like, oh, he didn't go down in that vault because of artistic reasons. And according to the interview, the reason why Prince never went down into his vault where he had lyrics master tapes, rehearsals, videos, all that kind of stuff, is because he forgot the code. <laughs> I don't believe that. <laughs> My God. You also, like, one of those, uh, one of the guys in the, I think it was his music director, was talking about how one day Prince would, he walked into the studio at Paisley Park and heard the a drummer and a bass player or something playing something together, and the he was like, what is that? And the music director was like, oh, they're just, you know, working on something. He's like, oh, okay, well, let's get some tape rolling. And then they recorded like eight songs in one day. And he would frequently just be like, let's make a record. My God. Yeah, I mean, you hear the same thing about uh, DM or not DMX, Dr. Dre. Yeah. That he has a vault too with like 10,000 beats in it or something. That's crazy. Yeah, and you see this. So like Paisley Park is this huge, like basically like compound looking place. It's really unassuming from the outside other than its size. And then on the inside, it's just kind of this like very Prince. It looks like Purple Rain. And 
Uh, it's filled with studios, and that's where he slept because the whole narrative is that he would just wake up at 2 a.m. and wanted to be able to record, and his collaborators would be like, yeah, so he slept here, not necessarily because he felt like it was his home, but he always wanted to be able to record whenever inspiration struck him, which was pretty much every hour of the day. So his uh, singer would was talking about these stories of like she would get woken up by a 3 a.m call and it would be prince in his very sheepish you know shy sounding voice saying like hey what are you doing and she, she would just say you know i'm sleeping prince what's up and he goes do you want to sing and i can't imagine what it'd be like to wake up uh, if even if you're not a singer i want you to wake up tomorrow morning or next time you take a nap and try to sing almost immediately I mean, you got to warm that up. Your voice is just like, it feels all stuck together. And just imagine having to go work with Prince. No, dude, you just just uh, play some ping pong, eat some waffles, and then you're good to go. That was Prince's regimen. Jesus. Let's like, let's like, let's take all of like the warm up shit out of the situation, right? Let's say you could wake up and your voice is all good to go no matter what. Let's say I call you at 3 a.m. I call you, Jackson, at 3 a.m. and I go, I, I just recorded this new moniker song. I think it's going to be great for the band. I need you to get here and record this. Like, I need you to get here and sing on this right now. I mean, I understand that it's different when Prince calls you, but like, if that happened to me, I'd be like, sorry, I'm going <laughs> to go back to bed now. But I guess that's why I would never work with Prince. <laughs> I wonder at what level it switches, Hagen, because I'm sure if like you were a collaborator with Dave Grohl and he called you, you'd be there in a heartbeat. So I wonder where it flips. Is it House of Blues status? Is it American <laughs> Airlines status? Or is it the festival circuit? I, I don't know. Like I think I think I think that if I was like a, a, a frequent collaborator with Dave Grohl and he was like calls me at 3 a.m. like hey uh, I, I need you to come in and 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 work on this song with me I I, it, I guess it depends on the night I, I'll, I'll say that I'll say that also, it depends on the could, night you could go like oh, okay Dave Grohl I have one question how much Jagger have you had <laughs> and if he says a bottle and a half then you go all right I'm going back no. to sleep. And then you go, it's hospital time, buddy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, see you I mean, tomorrow at that point. But yeah, yeah, I mean, if someone like Prince calls you at three in the morning and you're in Prince's band, like, I, yeah. I would not say no to that. Yeah, I imagine you answer that phone call. Yeah, I, that, I, I, it makes sense why, but there's like so many things in my head that are just like, Dude, this is my time. This is my this is this is the time that I like like especially when you're someone who's busy, it's like you have allotted yourself, you know, 8 hours, let's say, on average to sleep. And that's your time for no one to fuck with you. And then someone fucks with you and it's like, "Oh, is it serious?" No, I really want you to come sing on this. Like <sighs> Yeah, I've, I know this guy that uh he's a drummer in Dallas. He played for Eric Badu for a long time. And he said that he was, he was at Paisley park one time for one reason or other. I think Eric Badu was invited there and they hung out the night. And then when they were in the morning, they were having breakfast in like this breakfast nook. And he described it as like, apparently the breakfast nook is just gold records. And it's like a, like a booth. And, uh, as he was sitting there, I can't remember who he said, but it was like a really famous Motown artist from like the sixties just casually walked by and they were all like Eric Badu's band was just like oh my god was, was that who we think it is it was just like a wonderland for musicians I'm wondering so this album is coming out welcome to America is coming out July 2021 and this is a full album that was finished so it, other than the fact that it wasn't released you don't there's no grimy, there shouldn't be a grimy feeling of like, ah, oh, should we be releasing this? Is this, you know, for the fans or is this for the estate? That kind of thing. Right. It's not a compilation of some demo tracks that he did that probably never should have been released. This is like stuff that was recorded for real, intended for a release. Yeah. And that makes me think of that Kurt Cobain album that came out like a year or two ago. That was just like these, he had like an, a, a tape recorder. And it was just him noodling around on an acoustic guitar, and they released it as a full album. Now, I didn't listen to it, but I can't imagine that feels like anything but the estate just trying to get money. It felt 
weird to me at the time. And that gets me into this whole thought process of, I wonder if someone like Prince or any of these people, DMX, who's now passed away, and I believe there's a song, of a, a new song that's coming out, or it's already come out at the time of this release that has him on it. So you have to wonder, I wonder if these artists you know, would want this kind of stuff. And I, I truly don't believe that even if there's a lost Beatles album out there or there's a finished Beatles album and the Beatles are like, this is our best thing that has ever been recorded, but we just don't want to release it. I don't think that the artist is obligated to release that. That is completely up to them at that point. Once it's released into the world, that's a different story. But I wonder if this is something that Prince would have wanted to have his music rolled out like this. I mean, who? why, why else would you keep a vault? If you really didn't, uh, what I'm saying is if you swayed that far to the other side where you didn't want anyone to hear that music, just destroy it. But if you leave it by, then you're kind of, it seems like you could be being bashful and like, well, I don't know, maybe somebody will do it for me. Yeah, the, there's also the angle of not having a will, which if you have a vault and you don't want people to have it when you die, then specify that in your will that it has to be destroyed. You yeah. have to hope that you know your family will do that. But that's a way to do that as well. And the fact that he didn't leave any kind of will behind is weird in that regard. That doesn't like square up. So, yeah, the vault. The vault to me sounds like what I think uh, in in the best comparison I can give to to people of our, uh, musicians of our level is like you know you. Uh, you you have this one idea and you record it on GarageBand or on voice memos on your phone and you leave it there and you don't delete it because like well what if I could use that later what if I could use that in some in this one song with my band later and it's like that to me the vault just sounds like a what if that's all it sounds like it, it's the original voice memo <laughs> Prince was just a boomer that's all he was <laughs> rest in peace Prince. We move on. Adam, last week you mentioned that you were listening to a frequent collaborator of the band Arcade Fire and a Canadian band, Arcade Fire. Be careful what you wish for, Adam, because Arcade Fire has shared new music, kind of. They shared a 45-minute song for the uh, meditation slash sleep app Headspace. I have not listened to this. Dude. I don't use Headspace. I, I listened to, you have it to pay for it because I found a pirated copy on uh, online somewhere because I wasn't going to download this app just to listen to this. And uh, it's just a weird thing. It's like a collection of. It feels like a collection of discarded like soundtrack recordings that they did for some project that never went anywhere. It's just instrumental, right? Yeah. Does does this go? Does this land on their discography? I don't know. Not as like an album for sure, but like, should it count somewhere? Maybe. Well, let me put my gatekeeper pants on and I'm going to go ahead and say no. They released an album in 2017 and they did at the beginning of last year, or I guess as soon as the pandemic happened, they kind of announced, hey, yeah, like we're working on a new album and it'll be released soon. So, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say that this is not that and is exactly what Adam said, because they did score, I don't remember yeah, what movie it they was. They scored uh, the movie Her, and then the soundtrack for that came out. So the movie came out in 2013. The score for it came out this year. Took them eight fucking years to release it, digital or otherwise. But so like this thing could be some discarded like thing. It could be some stuff that's maybe on their new album and some pieces that they threw out of that from those sessions maybe. I don't know. It's It's very weird though. None of it feels like it belongs together, but then it's all one track, so it's kind of weird. <laughs> I remember when they were recording that album, Reflector, and they played this teaser track, and it was this weird kind of like, it felt like a church song, but it was an Arcade Fire song, which if you listen to them, I guess that makes sense, what I just said. And yeah. then I listened to the album, and I was just like, where the fuck is that song? And then they did a whole documentary on the process of recording that album. And it's this weird documentary. It's like avant-garde. It's kind of like that Radiohead documentary, Dave. Oh. And it, it it was interesting. And then they played the fucking song and I found out that that was some B-side that they just threw out. And I was like, man, I think that was the best song on that album and you guys didn't even fucking put it on there. So I, I'm not shocked to find out, or I wouldn't be shocked to find out if they just have a bunch of stuff on the cutting room floors. When you have that many people in a band, you have to have 
that. I also wouldn't be surprised if this is actually the new album, but without vocals, and they're doing some weird marketing thing there. <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. As a quick aside, uh, not to rehash old stuff, but you know, we were talking about Taylor Swift winning the album album of the year this year, possibly because it was such a, it was very popular and whatnot. But one thing I didn't mention was that Arcade Fire won album of the year and i don't think it made as big a splash as taylor swift's record did and i would say the same thing for beck who i think won the year later or a couple of years after that and that record was relatively unknown compared to a taylor swift record so i just basically i just want to know how they decide what gets album of the year i think that is a huge issue that the fact that the whatever you call the Grammy committee it or whatever the Academy, I don't think that's what they're is called. Is it called the Record Academy, I think? Something, something like whatever that. it is. They're not very transparent and that's a huge issue. So we could speculate on that forever, Dave. But that yeah, Beck album was uh it beat out I believe it was Beyonce's self titled. Yeah, I think so. People were very upset about that, including someone I live with. <laughs> I mean I, I think the, the Arcade Fire album that won, that was their, you know, first big album. I guess it was their first album, maybe, if I'm remembering right. But No, it was The Suburbs, which was their okay. third album. Yeah, well, whatever. That's the first one to me is that's when I first found out about them, you know, just like everybody else. So maybe that's the thing is that album was really popular and their other albums have not been as popular with the voting people. But then Taylor Swift, that, this is like her fourth, third or fourth album of the year yeah yeah i mean i would say with the taylor swift thing i think that the the difference i mean yeah this is her you know her third or fourth one but i mean i think that the 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 key difference here with this one is that it was popular because of the way it was released and when it came out and how it came out and and i mean i don't know much about the obviously like jack said we could speculate all day as to how and why they decide certain things and if i had to guess i'm gonna i'm gonna make a, a a shot in the dark that like you know, controversy is a part of their decision making. Like, how can we get the most buzz and who in, in in that sort of thing? Not to say that any of the people who have won don't deserve it. I'm not I'm not going to Kanye West this, but I I I do think that that may be a part of it. So uh, just to take us back to this Arcade Fire thing for a second, you know, I I'm, I'm neither here nor there when it comes to Arcade Fire, uh, but I will say that um, Headspace is supposed to be like a calming app. It's a meditation app. Do you guys get ads for it on YouTube? Do you guys get those ads? Yeah. No, I hear those ads on podcasts, though. I, if I'm listening to YouTube or watching something on YouTube whenever I'm falling asleep and that ad comes on, I am wide awake. I fucking hate when someone's whispering in my ear like, Hello, this is an ad for Headspace. Are you feeling stressed out? Now I am. Now I'm very stressed. <laughs> I don't like this. So I'm really upset that Hagen didn't put on his Kanye pants today. <laughs> I don't know if hearing an arcade fire song would help or hurt that cause. Like if if I if I was if I was watching YouTube while I'm falling asleep and then all of a sudden the headspace ad comes on, but instead of instead of just hello, it's like the same whisper but with an arcade fire song in the background, maybe that would help with their cause. But man, that shit stresses me out. Matthew McConaughey did one too. That, that still sounds bad. Still sounds bad. Yeah, I bad. feel like the whole time I'd be like, this Matthew McConaughey is whispering at me. To- total sidebar, but did you guys see in like a test poll that he he's ahead of Abbott if he runs for governor? We need to stop. I have lots of opinions <laughs> about that, but we don't have time for that today. No, no, I just, I just, just told, I, I, I laughed about that for a while today. That was, Save uh, it for the Patreon, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, so while we kind of are vaguely talking about Taylor Swift, she re-recorded one of her albums, and the first one got released, and I have it pulled up here, her Wikipedia. This is the first time I've ever seen it, but in the discography section, she has studio albums, and then there's a second column where it says re-recorded studio albums, and she re-recorded Fearless, which is her second record, and it just came out. Has anybody listened to it or some of it? Yeah, I did. Uh, I compared a couple of the singles, and it's it, it. She stayed pretty true, but took liberties here and there. It it sounds better. It sounds updated. Yeah, yeah, and her voice has matured in a in a good way. Like, she, I mean, she nothing against her at that age. She was so young when she recorded those records, but she sounds really good. 
Yeah, I did the same thing Dave did. Just listen to, like, split the audio on one side, left and right, of old and new. And it was interesting for that, but, like, I, it's still weird to me that this is a thing that has to exist, which I know we've talked about. But it's kind of cool, I guess, in that regard. If you like this album, then you're going to get a new version of it, kind of, that's a little updated, a little different. Well, yeah, and like we said on the show before, you if you're a big company that wants to work with Taylor Swift, you're going to have to use these these uh, Taylor's versions. Yeah. 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 And I think it's brilliant. I don't know the legal rant, like how she got around that. If she doesn't, maybe she has the rights to the songs, but not the masters of the recordings. Maybe that's the big Yeah, it's, thing. I think that's why it's such a weird situation is because it seems like it's pretty unique in that regard. Yeah, I think the biggest difference is in the 2008 one. They have the joke where the Flash falls on Wonder Woman and <laughs> falls into her boobs, which is just not a tasteful joke and was used in other versions. But in the 2021 version, Batman says, I will fucking kill you to the Joker. I think those are the two biggest differences that I saw when I did the track by track. Uh, I mean, there was a couple other differences. There was a couple Did other just differences fall that, for I, like a couple minutes? that I yeah, noticed. You know, four it's hours, fun. Dave. Four, four, four hours, bro. Oh, four hours. I'll say uh, about uh, Jackson referencing the, the Snyder Cut. We texted about it when it came out. We talked about it on the podcast. But, man, uh, I, I, I still am that asshole, even though it's been like a month since it came out. And I'm still just like reading everything about it and just annoying everyone I possibly can with the differences. Dave, I don't know. I annoy you with it, but because I know you're just going to go, boring. (laughs) (laughs) And I have no idea what you're talking about, because I haven't watched either version, and I'm not going to. Well, here's what you should do, man. Here's what you know you should do. You should you should uh, you should totally watch the the Snyder Cut first, and mm. then you should watch the shittier one because then you can really see how much better the first the the, the Snyder Cut one was. Then you can waste. Then you can say you've wasted waste six and a half six hours. Six and a half six, hours six, or eight just, hours. Just six. Just six hours. Just six hours. Or Adam, what you could do is watch another boring musical biopic that's going to come out in troves over the next couple yeah, of years, like the one that uh, we're about to talk about, the Netflix biopic for Joey Ramone. I love Joey Ramone. This is not me shit-talking the Ramones. And they announced that Pete Davidson will be playing Joey Ramone in this new Netflix biopic. And apparently this is something that was originally announced in like 2017 that they were doing this film. And it's based off of a memoir called I Slept With Joey Ramone, which is written by his brother, Joey Ramone's brother. And apparently Pete Davidson is not only the lead role, but he is also an executive producer and is very involved in the project. But, uh, you know, ever since the whole Sasha Baron Cohen and Bohemian Rhapsody thing, I'm very hesitant to, you know, see what that means and if it will have any lasting effect on the film. And apparently Joey Ramone's estate is very in it, which is a similar thing that I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. Yeah, and I think we have to see if this ends up happening and he actually is in the role because it could be a similar situation of he's announced for it and then something happens and he leaves because i mean yes yeah, the estate really, might not want him there yeah this could be a really like inspired casting choice and like maybe he is going to be a great dramatic actor in this but also it could not go that way i mean but i you know i don't know too much about joey ramone's personality but i did i watched a little bit of howard stern footage of him that that they re-released recently and he seemed like he didn't take himself terribly seriously so i don't know how dramatic it would be but the last thing i saw of pete davidson was i regrettably watched uh (laughs) jake paul and the former ufc fighter slash olympic gold medalist ben Askren box this weekend and it lasted for a minute and jake paul knocked him out but i bring it up because the people that were commenting were snoop dogg and pete davidson were two of the people and the entire time, Pete Davidson was just sitting there smoking a blunt. And, and then when the fight was over, Snoop Dogg was like, give me my $2 million. He bet, <laughs> I guess he bet $2 million on Jake Paul. I saw, I saw a really good tweet about that fight that was like, uh, why is Jake Paul bragging about beating up someone, in, a, a guy in, who used to box in his 40s and who looks like my dad? Like, <laughs> And Ben Askren was a wrestler, not even a boxer. Oh, was he? <laughs> That's neither here nor there. Pete Davidson is, uh, I, I, I can't decide if he's uh, a, a, a gem or if he is really annoying. 
Can't decide. <laughs> I mean, he, he was... He's a really annoying gem. Yeah, that's perfect. That's yeah. fine. He was good in the movie that came out last year that was... He kind of, like, starred in King of Staten Island. Oh, um, yeah. So he, Bill Burr. Yeah, he has, like, room for doing a dramatic role, and it could be great. But, I mean, again, it's one of those biopic things where we'll see if it actually happens and how much did, the Did he direct that? No, no. Or executive producer or anything? No, he, uh, that was Judd was, Apatow uh, yeah, say, that was did Apatow. that. Uh, he was a writer was, on it, though, too. Of course, it was, of course, 30 minutes too long. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> That's fair. Every every time, like every time in, in an Apatow movie, you're like, "Oh my god, I'm, I fe- I feel good. The characters are all, like, whatever." And then 30 minutes later, you hate everything. What's the What's the one with Adam Sandler? It's kind of a funny story. It was. Is that what it was? Funny, funny people. people. Funny yeah. people. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one was like, I, I, I hated the last 30 minutes. I was screaming the entire time. Whenever I rewatch that movie, I turn it off as soon as like we get to the last. I thought you meant as soon as you started it. No, no, I. I <laughs> That's Titanic. I, really, I, I like turn the it movie. off when uh, shit starts going bad in Titanic. That's the best part. What the no. fuck? You're a fair weather friend of Titanic? Hell yeah, dude. I'm not, I'm not James Cameron. <laughs> well, You're not? As you can tell, none of us are too excited for this biopic. It was this announcement came out on the 20th anniversary of Joey Ramone's death. So it was a fitting, you know. I guess a celebration of his life and if it's good I'll happily watch it but as uh, we'll cover it one day but I have a lot of thoughts on biopics that I used to not be so cynical on but it just like many things feels kind of oversaturated at this point yeah the Motley Crue one ruined it for me yeah man I watched that one night I, I was out at bars in Denton and I got home I think at like 1 a.m. or something and I was just like you know what I had my laptop out and I was just like I'll watch this this is something I'll fall asleep to and I think that's like a two-hour movie and I sat through the whole thing and I got really angry and I was just like why that that movie completely fantasizes and fetishizes that like the way that rock stars used to treat people especially women and I just the whole time I was like I'm so fucking mad right now i hate this movie i hate motley Crue. i hate that they're gonna come out of retirement because of this movie and i got really mad so i think i'm with you dave yeah some of them are really good we'll just have to we'll put a pin in that but i got one more thing that we can i don't even know if there's gonna be too much to talk about on this but it just this past week a couple days ago uh, apple music has announced that they pay on average a penny per stream which is pretty monumental compared to all the other streamers what they pay but especially it's definitely a pr win as this article says because it's really simple and then also spotify is notorious for not talking about how exactly they pay their artists because it's not as simple as like every artist gets paid this much it's very much it, it it, they have misleading figures and it's based off of even their best artists, the Drakes, um, they get, I think it's like half a penny is the most that they pay out to people like that. So your best artist is getting paid half as much at Spotify than they are at Apple Music. So is Apple Music able to do this just because they don't have the same subscriber base? Maybe, but would that subscriber base be able to bump them up to paying two cents per stream? Who knows? Any thoughts on this? I mean, it's it's definitely misleading because you can't compare them one-to-one with the different subscription numbers. So it's hard to compare in that regard. And also, Apple's got deep pockets. They could afford to pay more just to put Spotify out of business. Even though that's not legal normally, but, you know, it's 2021, so. Yeah, where anything goes. Well, is it kind of like uh, how Netflix is operating at a loss? And I know a lot of businesses do that, but you see that like Netflix bought, what was it, Knives Out for like the next two Knives Out sequels yeah. for like $450 million. And you just think, how the fuck does Netflix make money? Right. Netflix is doing the uh, Amazon thing of like spend a bunch of money and it's investing in future growth. I mean, Apple doesn't tend to do that, but they could because they don't have to report Apple Music's numbers outside of their services category on their revenue. So for all we know, they've been losing money on Apple Music the whole time. I find that unlikely, but 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Apple Music has, or Apple has the all their products, and then they have Apple TV, and they have Apple Music. Like, all the things that go with it, Spotify is just Spotify. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to compare just for that alone, even without the subscription numbers. Because they're just totally different businesses. But I like it. I like the idea of getting one cent per stream, I think. Well, I think the idea of it being clear, too, is good. Like, it's yeah. very clear how they're paying out, whereas Spotify is like, well, we don't want to tell you exactly how much, but you get a percentage of a percent. I still think the way that it went, the, Adam, I think you brought this up. It was either Adam or Jackson was like where, you know, your your subscription that you pay for goes towards the artists that you listen to. I think that's the fairest way to do it. Yeah, the only problem there is they might lose some of the big names if they're not making the money they think they should get made. That's that that's the really big thing with doing something like that is I mean you have to keep all of your all of your big people happy. And and let's say, you know, there's there's multiple of us who don't listen to all the pop music that's on the top all the time. But if you look at that shit, it's like I mean there's there's millions of plays on songs that I bet none of us have heard before. And they have to keep those people happy. Somehow. Somehow those people have to be kept happy. Not not anyone small because the small people still need to use the service. So, like, I don't know. It's 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 a weird situation. And Apple paying a penny a stream, to me, uh, it sounds like this is, I don't know. It's like the cheapest way to sound like you did a good thing. Like, it's, right. it's like, cool. So Spotify roughly pays somewhere around like a third to half of a penny, depending on, you know, who you are or whatever. We are going to pay just a penny. That's it. We're just going to make it even. Everyone gets a penny per stream. Like, well, that's still sucks dude that's awful like that's still terrible and it's I'm, a I'm, drop I'm, of water out of the ocean yeah. yeah and they're charging 10 bucks a month for however many songs you stream it doesn't matter i mean even if you stream 100 songs you're still paying 10 dollars, and they get to pocket the rest of that then so. yeah yeah and it's it, it's so it's it's so much of a thing where it's like i'm i'm so on the side of like I understand why artists don't get paid as much, especially with like the sense of oversaturation. There's so many people on these streaming services. There's no way everyone can get paid the right amount. But if you're gonna pretend to try to be on the right side of this, be on the right side of it. Don't just be like, oh, and here's, 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 here's your little, here's your little gifts. There you go. You get a penny. Good job. Not just a third of a penny, but here's a whole penny. It, it's, <laughs> oh it, wow! Thanks. Yeah, it's a cool, it's a good PR move from a headline standpoint. But if you take yeah. two seconds to think about it, it's like, oh well. I mean, it's really not that good still. <laughs> so by the way, the numbers for subscribers is Spotify is way bigger. They have three hundred and forty-five million total users, of which one hundred fifty-five million are paying premium customers, to which. Apparently, Apple Music does not disclose their subscriber count. Uh, Their last public number was stated as more than 60 million subscribers. But in 2019, that's when they said that. And more recent estimates are around 72 million. So even at that estimate of 72 million, that is lower than half of the paying premium customers of Spotify. So will it run Spotify out of business? Highly unlikely. But hey... Apple is like a Google where they can just kind of throw money at things like this. So fuck it. If it gets some more money and artists, and here's the thing, Drake is on Apple music too. So if it gets more money in the pockets of people who are making the art, I'm happy for it. And you know, I I don't really care if Apple stays super rich or not. So it's cool to hear. But I think the average, let's say the average Spotify subscription, I think let's say it's 899. If you multiply 155 million by 8.99, that's like over a billion, like 1.3 billion dollars a month. Yeah, it's uh, it it it's pretty crazy. I mean, I I think that I I I do agree, Jackson, that I think that it is a really good thing to see someone kind of caring. But I also think the Apple thing is really it's it's important to remember because I mean, Adam, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure you can get Apple Music with Apple TV and Apple Fitness all in a bundle. Yeah, you can do that now. So I was going to say, those numbers are probably higher now. Yeah. Because more people are signed up for Apple Music just because it came with the other stuff they had. Not that that helps with them paying out more money, though, necessarily. Because there's definitely a lot of people who stream 
more than their you know fair share if you want to break it out by what they are paying for for ten dollars a month yeah right yeah i don't think i've announced it on this podcast but uh, right now i'm basically going through the free trials of each streaming platform and just kind of trying to amass what it's like to be a user of each. And I started with Spotify, obviously, and right now I'm on Apple Music. So I, I kind of plan on once I'm done with all that, kind of talking about what it's like to be from a user and not even just paying for it. So I will say that Apple Music compared to Spotify as a user interface sucks. I mean, yes, it, just it does. Sucks. Yes, it yeah, does. Yeah, Spotify is great. They, I mean, it, it really is a good platform. The only like the only problem that I have with Spotify is their um like their their desktop app. Whether it be you, whether you're on Windows or on Mac, that yeah, shit you have to you have to clear the cache on it constantly. It's so dumb. I, I think that's what like scared me away from Spotify was that I mostly listen to music on my computer in my office, and so I'm using the desktop app. And the iTunes old app that used to exist, the music app that exists now, it's fine. It's not, you know, the best or anything. But Spotify just feels weird and has problems. Yeah. And the the one thing I don't like, and I don't know if this is on Apple Music or anything else, but at least with Spotify, the shuffle option sucks. If you have, like, a whole artist discography and you shuffle, it only plays the popular stuff. Uh, Spotify's shuffle um, only will shuffle 50 songs at once. So if you have a like a really like a, a, anything more than fifty songs, let's say it's a hundred songs, like just you shuffle an entire artist discography, it will pick fifty of those songs, and then it will just shuffle those. Once those fifty are done, it'll pick another fifty, which could be the same fifty, right? And it yeah, I feel like it will... does the the popular fifty. Yeah, because you guys know I've streamed all of Dawes's music, like <laughs> you know, just like I just want to listen to Dawes, and I can't tell you how many times I have to. There's there's one song they did with John Fogerty from. Uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival and I fucking hate the song and I'm like god skip it it comes on every time and they did a song with Mumford and Sons which is ba- it's a Mumford and Sons song so it's like I don't want to listen to Mumford and Sons right now I want to listen to Dawes yeah yeah I, I, I if we're if we're done with uh with this topic I, I have like a really small news item that isn't actually really news it's just I just didn't know about it uh did you guys know that Travis Barker is dating Courtney Kardashian Kardashian, Kardashian. My wife you, is keeping me updated on that. I did not. That apparently know that. he's very much in love. They are so in love, and it is a, it is a shock. I was I was like I saw the pictures. Like someone someone shared it on like this. Uh, I, I listened to a gossip podcast, and someone shared it on like the Facebook page for it. And I was like, what are these pictures? I'm looking. What is happening? Travis Barker and Kourtney Kardashian. What the fuck is this? He uh, for Valentine's Day or something. He it's been a weird year. He left her. (laughs) He he put roses outside of her place or something. And somebody's like, oh, he left her roses by the stairs. Surprises (laughs) let her know he cares. Did you guys see that meme whenever Machine Gun Kelly started dating Megan Fox? And then he released that pop punk album and it said, I think this may have been a hard times article, but what it ended up saying was machine gun Kelly revolutionizes the pop punk genre by dating someone age appropriate. (laughs) (laughs) I did see this really cute video of Travis Barker's daughter covering up his tattoos with with makeup products and you can tell that he's totally doing it out of love where he's just like this is my daughter i'm just gonna do this for her and she's like what's your favorite tattoo and he's like oh (laughs) it's really funny i mean so travis barker and courtney kardashian i didn't realize are like almost the same age travis barker just looks really bad for his age i think i I mean cut him some slack he got into a plane crash I mean, we so can is Harrison, on your face. So is Harrison Ford, though. So we can, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's not looking too good either. Right, but he's like Harrison Ford's now. in his fucking. Yeah, he's so old. Travis Barker's forty-five. I mean, like, I, it's it. I'm not gonna say that that's not. I mean, like, sure, that that definitely could be the cause here. But I, I'm sure there's some other things that went into why he looks the way he does. Uh, but I mean, I, 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 they are age appropriate. They are, they are both like in, you know, in the the. The pop culture, like, you know, they've always been, Travis Barker's always been just, like, always around. And I've never understood why, but he's always been around. Uh, and it's just, just, it's... Hagen, just say it. We all know you want to say it. Travis Barker looks like shit because he's a vegan. 
um travis barker <laughs> looks like shit because he's a vegan <laughs> Doesn't it feel nice to get that off of your chest? We just I'm sweating. Chest. I'm I, I'm sweating right now. I didn't. I, it's the meat I, sweats. I, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny though. Like to think about uh, Travis Barker, a young Travis Barker, and a young uh, what? Which which Kardashian is he dating? Courtney Kardashian. Courtney, a young Courtney meeting each other. Travis Barker, but be like, what the fuck? Who are you? Man. Good for I mean good good for them good for good for them I mean that, that's uh it's not again it's not like really really big news for us but I was uh, I was surprised to see the pictures of them making out on a couch and that was our new segment called Hagen's Hot Goss oh I thought we my were calling God. it Keeping Up with the Kardashians fuck <laughs> no we got I want that now There's can that can we stuff. keep that going can we keep can we keep that going I would love to do that. Hagen's hot goss. Yeah, bro. Can we do that? You can just. How do did that. I get stuck with Dave's death corner? <laughs> uh, just it's the you know it's how names work. It just happened. <laughs> That's how to names ask, work. You don't deserve to know. <laughs> Adams, Adams, Apple. <laughs> see, we talked about Adams, Adams albums. Like, yeah. Adam's albums. Yeah. 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 See, that's good. That's good. It could be Adam's Apple, where he just talks about Apple stuff for a while. Yeah. That's where but, I was going with that. Yeah. Hey, at uh, least they don't call you fart ass. <laughs> Fardass's favorite flops. <laughs> this is gold, people. I'm spewing out gold right now. Listen, listen, for real though, if you guys want more Hagen's hot goss, I want it. I, that sounds wonderful for me. I got I gotta get this shit out of my brain somehow. And I <laughs> love talking about it. So uh that'll work. That'll work great. Are you guys ready to talk about what we're listening to? Yeah, but Hagen, if you're taking over the gossip corner, then I guess I'll have to take the conspiracy theories from you. No, you can I can do both. all. Those I can are, do you got all news. of it. Full time jobs. You do. Yeah, you you write the news shit up. I give I give like one article every other time. I can take both. I get both. We can share Send news. <laughs> Send nudes. <laughs> um, all right. Hello. I'm sure that you're trying to relax right now. And let me tell you, you're not gonna, because Don't Feed the Artists is gonna tell you what we've been listening to. So, hey, listen. I've been listening to Nathaniel Ratliff. <laughs> uh, his, the 2020 record, thank you, Jackson, for sending me that NPR Tiny Desk concert. Yes, I'm still watching the stuff that you send me. Uh, his 2020 record, and it's still all right, is really good. I dig it. But I accidentally read the Pitchfork review, and boy, did they trash it. It's funny because I was listening to it and thinking, hey, some of this stuff sounds like Harry Nielsen. And then I read about the his, the reason he made the record was for a friend and producer of his that passed away in 2018. He was going through a divorce as well, Nathaniel Ratliff was, and he talked about how the Richard Swift said, Hey, keep going with that Harry Nielsen thing. And then Pitchfork just tore him a new one. Like, you sound nothing like Harry Nielsen. And this is, you should stick with your band. And even that is a last-ditch effort to be famous. And I was like, damn, I really like this album. So that's what I'm listening to. Yeah, don't listen to Pitchfork. Yeah, don't not, listen they, to Pitchfork. I should know better. Don't listen to Pitchfork. They'll be right yeah. in 10 years when they rate that album again and they give it a higher yeah. number. <laughs> that's it. We've been there before, fellas. Yeah. <laughs> Glad to hear you've come around to it. Nathaniel Rateliff is uh, really just fun. I mean, his stuff with the Night Sweats is really fun to listen to. Still potent lyrically, but his solo stuff is very, it's great singer-songwriter. Yeah. That Tiny Desk was very relaxing. And like he was so, he was so pinpoint focused and like in the zone. It was, it felt really cool. I really want to see one of my bucket list shows would be to see an artist at Red Rocks. And I think him with his band would be like a perfect Red Rocks band. And he's from like, he's a Colorado native at this point. So I think he plays there pretty frequently. So once the world kind of corrects itself and stitches itself back together, that would be something I'd like to, as soon as the tickets go on sale, I'll be hitchhiking my way there. Oh, 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 I have a thing. Sorry. I bought tickets to a concert. I bought tickets to a concert. So did I. 
Oh my god! Sorry, that's like, that just reminded me. I was gonna talk about that. Sorry, I'll talk about it later though. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, you're, you're rolling. Time, no. I mean, you bought tickets to a concert. My, my Chemical Romance concert got postponed to 2022. So, uh, so I mentioned Briston Maroney last week. I mentioned him a lot. Uh, he announced more tour dates, and he announced a tour date with uh, with Mountain Joy, which I mentioned before. And the uh, tour date in in Dallas is on my wedding day. Uh, so uh, obviously, the first thing I did was go to my fiance's office and go, "Can we get married at House of Blues? Is that an option? <laughs> Can we do that instead?" Um, <laughs> you want to get married somewhere where you can't mosh? <laughs> uh so uh so obviously she 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 did say yes to that idea so uh yeah so we we have like we, we weren't we didn't know if we were gonna do like a honeymoon right away or not but we're just gonna go to austin the the, the very next day and get like a nice hotel and, and go see briston in austin and uh i i'm really excited to see briston and i'm really excited to pot concert tickets <laughs> and you're really excited to be married when you do it well yeah, 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 sake. yeah you know uh, I bought tickets to see Dawes. I'm shocked. Woo! Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Going great. to see Dawes in December. Yeehaw. So I've just... been listening to Radiohead. That's all I've been listening to. Just Radiohead. But did you buy tickets so, to Radiohead? I would, but uh, they are being pretty, pretty uh, good about not doing any touring right now. So I listening to Radiohead. I like that band. They're pretty good if you've never listened to them. <laughs> I watched the entire Coachella concert the other night and it was so good. Uh yeah. so uh I've been listening to quite a few things, uh but nothing like super obsessively, but um some things that I definitely am like pretty stoked on. Um if we've never mentioned mentioned Big Thief before, you should listen to Big Thief. Big Thief is great. Um folk band made of a bunch of a bunch of Berkeley guys and and girls and very very just talented musicians, great songwriters. But what really got me back into Big Thief was listening to a guy called Buck Meek and he's the guitar player for Big Thief. And uh uh someone I play with told me about Buck Meek, told me the story about his album uh that he he released recently and the way they did it and God, I'm sorry if this is wrong. I was told by someone else, but either way, I love the story. And um, the story is that the way that he recorded it was uh, the band would show up to the studio uh, every day at like 8 a.m. and they would they would play the album straight through, and um, then they would go about the rest of their day, and then they would come back at night and play the album straight through. And it was recorded a tape, and the producer and the engineer made notes of what was the best ones and so on. They didn't get to listen to playback or anything. They did that for however many weeks, and then they picked the best ones, and the album was done. That's it. That's all they did. Maybe a couple overdubs. I can't. I can't remember. But I. I love that idea. It's amazing. It's just. It's just all about the songs. It's not about like overly obsessing about it. It's just come in, play it, take the day, come in, play it again. See you tomorrow. It's great. That's cool. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's. It's. It's a really cool album. He's got a really unique voice. Uh, I. I. I don't know how much uh, you guys will, will like him, but I think he's he's really, really cool. And then uh, just a side note, um, Royal Blood's new singles are awesome. Uh, they are, they are, if, if, if the entire album sounds like these singles they've released, it's going to be uh, the catchiest, like, catchiest thing in a while. It's really good. Neat album. I only have one album that I listened to, um, but I really liked it. It's a band that's on the same label as Fishboy, uh, so that's actually how I found them. Uh, they're called Antonioni, uh, and it's their first full-length album that they released called S slash T, um, and it's a like indie rock band. They're out of Seattle, um, but it's something that I've found myself listening to a couple times already since finding it, and I really like it. By the way, I don't think we mentioned it, but Adam and I found out that on that new Idols record, there's a Nick Cave connection that Warren Ellis, who is the frequent collaborator with Nick Cave, um, it's not really stated what he did on it, but on the song Grounds, which is probably the best song on the record, he's on that. I mean, and he's got a feature credit on the back of the vinyl. Yeah, it's something about he might have wrote some of the instrumental parts to it too, I think, from what I could find. So Yeah, very cool. Uh, anybody else have anything they want to add before I take us out of here? Nothing else? 
No, get us out of here. We got, if you enjoyed that fish boy interview, we got uh, a few more people lined up in the future. So yes. if there are any artists that you want on the show at them to get on our show or let us know, it doesn't matter how big they are. We will. Yes. Dave Grohl, if you want to come on the show, you can come I on mean, the show. He's got oh, a, nice. he's got a book coming out that he needs to promote. So maybe he's going to yeah. go book, go on some podcasts. He's got a lot of stuff. He coming has out. a, documentary about the, the, his uh, mother's book and then he has his own documentary coming out about touring in vans yeah he's got a lot of stuff coming out Busy um, boy yeah he is so uh yeah definitely if, if if there's someone at them definitely at them on the socials and while you're at it uh you know you should uh, uh click the follow button on us on the socials uh dfta podcast don't feed the artists you can you can use the search engine you're smart individuals uh you can find us there and if you have not pressed the follow or subscribe button on whatever platform you're using right now go ahead and press that button because that helps us a whole lot if you're using the apple podcast go ahead and leave us a little a little five star rating if you liked it because that does help us a lot too um so yeah thank you guys so much for listening oh my god what a what a what a fun week what a fun episode this was this was i've had to be honest with you guys i've had a great past couple of days i've gotten to play a lot of music and it feels really good and this is a really nice thing to do before and a few more busy days come up so uh, thank you guys for being uh, on this podcast with me, and because uh, it's my podcast, I own this thing now. Thank you. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so thank you all for being here. We really appreciate it. And fuck off. Give me your time. All right, I'm gonna take off my gatekeeper pants, and Hagen, you can take off your Kanye pants, which I assume are too tight. I'm just gonna take off my pants. All my pants are too tight. What is it with fucking the young kids on TikTok not liking <laughs> tight pants? What is it with that? I don't get it. I don't. I. I don't. It's get Billie it. Eilish's fault. Dude, I don't know. I'm still recording this. Yeah, I, am too. I don't know if yeah. this is useful. <laughs> so am I. Uh, but this is the episode. I, I, I like. I, I asked one of my students. I was like. I. I was like. Oh, you're a TikTok star. She's like. Yeah. I, I, whatever. Ha ha. I was like. Oh, do you not like skinny jeans? And she was like. No, I don't. And I was like. Why? I don't get it. What's the fuck? What's the whole thing about it? She's like, I don't know. Skinny jeans are uncomfortable. I'm like, skinny jeans are, shut the fuck up. Skinny jeans are comfortable. Fashion's not about being comfortable. It's about looking good. God, these kids these days.